and welcome back to the One Globe 360 podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Alex, who is the host of the Travel Talks podcast. The Travel Talks podcast has reached number 11 in the Apple's Places and Travels charts, and Alex has interviewed lots of people involved in the travel industry, such as travel vloggers, contestants from Race Across the World, and full-time travel bloggers. On today's episode, we're going to be talking all about how to start a podcast, how to use social media to maximise your podcast growth, and how to improve your interview skills. So thank you again, Alex, for coming on the podcast today. How are you doing? Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm doing really good, thank you. Uh, yeah, getting out of the house, making sure to get those walks in. Yeah. Uh, to keep, keep happy and keep sane. But yeah, doing very well, thank you. Good, yeah. Yeah, good. Just like I said before we came on, just trying to keep busy uh, during what's a you know, pretty tough time uh, for the world right now. And I know in the UK it's, it's, yeah, pretty tough. But yeah, just trying to keep busy. Um, and yeah, no, all, all's good. So yeah, like I said, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We're going to be talking all about uh, your podcast as well as travel as well. Um, so what I'll do is I'll get started on the first question I have, which is what inspired you to start the Travel Talks podcast? Yeah, so I, uh, I'm i a very creative person and naturally within my job, uh, I don't know if you know or people know, I work for Sky Sports and run all of their YouTube channels with the, alongside a very talented team. But as if that wasn't enough for me, I needed some sort of extra fix, an extra buzz. And obviously, you'll know from creating your own podcast, when you've got something which is essentially your own baby, a product which you're entirely invested in, uh, everything you do to create for it is uh, going to drive its, its success. And essentially, how hard you work on it ultimately defines how successful it will be. Um, I always wanted to do something outside of work to have that kind of side project. But I didn't ever know what that was. So... In brainstorming what that could be, uh, had a few ideas, came up with maybe a YouTube channel, uh, but ultimately ended up deciding to do a podcast and kind of had a few different topics, which I thought it might be, what the podcast might be on. Obviously, working for Sky Sports, massively love football. That was the first thing that came to mind. But ultimately, football's quite a congested market when it comes to podcasts and every form of media. And from working at Sky Sports myself, I know that essentially... Uh, I'm quite objective and I can look at the situation and go, ultimately, who cares about my opinion on football? I work in an industry where it's quite easy to look at ex-pros, talk about the game, ex-managers. That's where the opinions matter. Whereas me, little old me, just has an opinion. Who cares, essentially? And that's the view I would take when looking at someone else's podcast in a similar position. So ultimately landed on travel. Absolutely love travel. And I think in this year where we haven't been able to travel, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I've absolutely determined that travel is the thing that kind of keeps me going and keeps me ticking over and it's something I absolutely love. So that's where the idea came about from. Brilliant. It's so good to talk about, you know, to listen to you talk about it in such a passionate way. It's clear that you've always wanted that sort of project on the side as alongside your job and you found something that you really enjoy doing, which is I think exactly what everyone's been looking for during this pandemic. You know, in the lockdowns and all the restrictions is that you know, that, that project to sort of keep us all going and, and keep us busy. So yeah, it's brilliant to hear, hear your story about that. What would you say are your, your aspirations for the podcast? Looking forwards to the future, what would you like to achieve? Uh, well, I am uh, inherently quite an ambitious person. I think anyone who knows me knows that I'll put 100% into everything that I decide to do. Uh, I'm not the kind of person who'll pick up many hobbies. Uh, but when I do pick up something, it's like, every single bit of my ounce of is going to go into making this a success so i uh, had a few different hobbies like through lockdown got into this cycling and in cycling that was my proper focus golf got into golf really really focused on that and made sure that that was what i was going to get really good at and now the podcast is where i'm putting 100 percent of my energy and like you say lockdown we've got so much time uh, so that's what i've been focusing on and working on really hard in terms of goals um I think you've got our aim for number one travel podcast in the UK. I mean, yeah, essentially, 100%. yeah. I'm the kind of person who, if I'm going to do something, then let's not put any boundaries on it. But equally, I'm not the kind of not going to be setting massive targets myself and being disappointed if I don't reach them because ultimately, this is something I'm very new to. Whilst I've got a lot of experience in production. Um, in terms of interviewing people, it's the skill which I'm picking up and learning and adapting and growing all the time. And so, yeah, if maybe not this year, next year, even the year after, but if I'm still doing the podcast by that point, I'd want it to be to the point where people understood the podcast and recognised it as a popular 
podcast and also people were coming to me and wanted to join in. Yeah, that would be the goal. Amazing. It's so good to have, you know, I talk a lot with, with guests on the podcast about aspirations and goals for 2021. Um, you know, last year was a really tough year and I think it's ever more important this year to have like goals and, goals and aspirations to make this year, you know, a really good one. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about the process of getting the guests that you have on your podcast, you know, especially guests who are very well known within the travel industry? What's the process that you go about to get them on the podcast? Uh, so I, like, like I've said previously, I'm quite fortunate in uh, working in the media. I have done for like the past seven to eight years now. Uh, I've kind of picked up a lot of contacts along the way. And I, I think it's the kind of thing where it, you can ask for favours from people, but ultimately they're only going to give you a favour if you in the past have been nice to them. So I, I think try and be a nice person and every encounter you have with someone, hopefully they'll in, in favour pay, uh, pay the favour back in the future. But uh, in terms of my biggest guests I've had on the podcast, Laura Woods, is probably the highest profile guest alongside someone like Tubes. And then, of course, Adam Smith from Sky Sports. These are all colleagues and friends of mine, um, especially well, all three of those are very, very close friends. And they're the kind of people that I can text and say, oh, could you do me a favour? Yeah. I'd love it if you came onto the podcast. I know, that, of course, they've got huge audiences and I'm, I'm not naive enough to believe that I'm going to have an audience without favours from these kind of people. I understand that having them on is a complete luxury and if they're kind enough to reshare to their audiences that's where my traffic is going to come from yeah uh, so i think ultimately it's a case of networking with people and that's something like my, my position and my job has been fortunate enough to allow me to do uh, but also yeah be nice to people and yeah. hope that they do your favor back one day yeah it's that's just a simple thing isn't it just be nice you know i, I get people ask me oh how have you got so and so on your podcast and i say I just sent them a, a you know a lovely friendly DM on on Instagram explaining what I do and sort of the message behind my podcast and what I'm trying to achieve with it, and you know nine out nine times out of ten people will reply and they're happy to do it. So it's just I guess putting yourself out there, um, explaining that you know it's just a you know a travel podcast, just trying to sort of spread some positivity around travel and have travel conversations and and like I said you know most people do reply and then they come on so. I think it's just, yeah, putting yourself out there and just, um, yeah, just being being nice, being a good person. Um, mm. Brilliant. So, yeah, it's so good to hear sort of your insight into it all. Um, what would you say you've learned as a result of starting a podcast? Because we were talking before we came on, there are so many things that come as a result of having a podcast, a lot of things that people probably don't know about. So what would you say has been the biggest learning point for you? Um, I've learned that it's a lot of work, first of all. Um, yeah. It's the kind of thing <laughs> where people think, OK, you have an hour chat with someone and uh, you upload it but uh, I'm a perfectionist in what I do and I'm not going to put out a piece of content in any form that I'm not happy with in 100% so when I'm editing my podcasts and it's for example an hour and a half chat that might take me six hours to edit um, and of course I've got to produce one every single week so you, it's a use an analogy if you remember in Indiana Jones he's got the ball chasing him in the cave it kind of feels like I'm running away from the ball and the ball being an, a week where I don't have an episode. So that kind of puts that fear in me and it kind of makes me work really hard. So I would say to anyone listening who wants to start a podcast, definitely give it a go by all means, but don't go into it expecting it to be easy because it's like something you've got to put 100% of your effort into. Yeah. And then something else I've learned. Um, I think I'm just learning all the time to be better in conversations with people naturally because... Um, I'm, I was very, very anxious when I first started it, even when the first episode I recorded with uh, Adam Smith, who's a really, really good friend of mine, like been to his wedding, we've been friends and colleagues for seven years now. Uh, I recorded that episode, I would say in July, and it took me until October to even be brave enough to publish it, because I sat on it and kind of listened to it. And for some reason, even though he's a good friend, I'm incredibly nervous. And it's an episode I'm not particularly proud of, just because of my own not performance but the way I conducted myself in that interview uh but I, I feel like every interview that I do I'm getting that little bit more confident in talking naturally uh understanding and not being so nervous uh so yeah I'm learning the skill of interviewing essentially yeah it's, it's interesting you say that because I feel the exact same I look back at some of my first episodes that I did 
And I'm almost a little bit embarrassed in how I was, just in the way I was interviewing and asking questions. I repeated myself all the time. I said, um, and ah, and all those silly words that you sort of reflect and you listen to yourself back and you think, oh goodness, why did I say that? Or why did I say it like that? And for me, it's been a massive learning experience. I've had not, you know, no interview experience before. I've just sort of gone into the deep end and thought, look, let me just have a conversation with someone and try and make it into a podcast. So, you know, I really sort of understand where you're coming from there with like that being a massive learning point. And actually each episode that you bring out, you learn so much more about the whole process. So it's really valuable to keep putting content out there, putting podcast content out and um, yeah, just getting, you know, better each time and getting more confident. Um, mm. Can you talk to me about how you distribute your podcast? Um, you know, because you've got your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the main uh, podcast platforms. How do you go about distributing it to, to those platforms? So uh, for people who don't understand, there are podcast providers, uh, uh, who basically allow you to upload to their website and then in a click of a button you can publish to every single podcast platform which is a godsend really because if it was so manual that you had to upload individually to every single podcast site it would be a real chore. Uh, the podcast provider I use is Acast uh, for no other reason than the fact that I listen to podcasts and hear the word Acast and I heard it over and over and over again so the first time that I've gone to create a podcast they're the first company that sprang to mind um, yeah, enjoy using them and use their premium service just to get all the analytics and tools because uh, it, I'm an analytics nerd when it comes to data that you can be provided uh, in the online space. I love the fact that you can be completely adaptive and learn what your audience are doing and their viewing and listening habits based off of this data that they can provide you. Uh, so make sure to take that in. Look in terms of what episodes are the most popular and kind of go okay cool i'll learn from that and that's the kind of field people enjoy listening in and uh adapt my future content in that way i'm trying to think was there was there another <laughs> element to your question um no it's just about just getting on spotify and apple podcasts and you answer that really mm. you know you you put it on so i use anchor uh which mm. i think basically does the same thing so i upload it to anchor and then it just distributes it from there which is you know, super straightforward and easy. I thought it'd be a lot more difficult to get onto the likes of Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, but yeah, there are some really good podcast platforms out there, like you mentioned with your one as well, um, that, yeah, make life a little bit easier in, in the world of podcasting, which can be quite, yeah, quite tricky at times sort of with all the, mm-hmm. the learning that goes with it. Um, you mentioned earlier all the prep and the whole process of recording a, and, and editing a podcast can take, you know, quite a long time. And that's something that people might not really know much about when, when they listen to a podcast is all the behind the scenes. Can you talk us through the prep that you do before a podcast recording? You know, prepping the questions, getting a timing sorted, all those sorts of things. Yeah, so uh, in a, I'm trying to make this not sound boring. I just do loads and loads and loads of prep. It's something which I think essentially I'm like a sponge. I've worked with these talented people such as Laura Woods and Adam Smith and Tubes. I cite those three I've done in the past, but they are the people who are at the top of their fields. And I think ultimately there's a reason for that. I know from firsthand working alongside Laura and Smithy more closely than I do with someone like Tubes, uh, they are expert when it comes to prep. There is nothing they do not know prior to their interview because they know that once that camera starts rolling, there's nothing you can do by this point. That's too late. We're live. Uh, so prep is so, so important. And I love to basically, I think it's an element of respect as well, because when you're sitting down with someone and you're kind of taking an interest into their life, I think it's an element of respect to understand their work, what they've done, their highs, their lows, uh, all their successes that they've done in their career, because ultimately they've given you the favour to come on your podcast. So the least you can do is to be an expert in what they do and to understand what they're going to say. Uh, so yeah, prep, prep, prep. And uh, yeah, do as much as you can beforehand. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. Um, I um, I listened to your episode recently with Jen and Rob and um, you mentioned that you'd watched um, you'd watched the series again in, in preparation for the podcast and that just shows the, de- the dedication that you have to one episode is you've sat through and watched all those episodes again to try and pick up those details, you know, in those particular episodes to then change that into questions, you know, turn that into questions that you can then ask, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to Jen and Rob. So it is those sort of intricate details of the prep that actually I think make the podcast episodes that much better um which is you know it's so important um it's something I'm looking to do more so is to do more prep I often just sort of think oh I've got some questions let me write them down um get 10-15 questions and then I sort of go with the flow but actually 
what you do is really, you know, brilliant. Just getting those sort of more sort of, yeah, detailed information about the person you're in, you're interviewing beforehand. And then that comes out in the podcast sort of when as a listener, we listen. So, yeah, that's brilliant to hear. Um, And sort of for any listeners that are wanting to start their own podcast, um, can you talk to me about what equipment you use to record your podcast Um, and sort of, you know, are there ones that are more expensive? Are there some that are cheaper? What would you recommend using? Um, yeah, so I use I use the microphone which I have had for I think about eight years. So in terms, of, I can't recommend you a, a particular brand of microphone because that obviously it goes without saying. You're doing a podcast; the only form of media is audio. So the least you can do is make sure you've got a good microphone. Uh, that's an absolute basic starting block. Uh, I can't recommend you a great microphone. I'm sure there are better people who can even just searching on YouTube. You'll find someone who can recommend you a good microphone. But uh, yeah, I'm recording over Zoom. I think Zoom has become a daily part of everyone's lives. And I'm so grateful for that because uh, let's say rewind two years. If I decided to start a podcast and did made it Zoom heavy, like everyone had to come on Zoom. I'm not sure how confident in a basic sense people would be in turning on their camera, sitting in front, having a natural conversation, whereas now it's just become a daily part of people's lives and people are so used to doing it to communicate with each other that to ask someone to click a Zoom link, type in a password, it's not a chore. It's like a, it's so easy. It's such a natural thing to do now. So yeah, yeah just record over Zoom, use a standard microphone maybe i'll buy a better microphone in the future but for now this one's doing me good yeah amazing like i feel like some people sort of think all podcasts and they think oh there's all this equipment that goes with it all these fancy microphones and editing software and headphones and all those things but actually it can be much more simple than that you don't need the most expensive thing off amazon you know the most expensive microphone or the most expensive editing software um you Mm. know a podcast can be done with you know with reasonably priced equipment you know anyone can start a podcast um and it's very accessible i think to sort you know to anyone really um i just want to talk about a little bit about your social media that you use with your podcast so how do you use your social media to maximize your podcast growth ah, good question and it's something I'm, i want to get better at basically because i've worked in social media like i've said probably for about six years now and i run uh, sky sports's account soccer an uh, massively popular football show. Uh, we built that account, to, the Instagram account in particular, to over 1 million followers. I should probably know it off by heart how many of that has. Uh, so I've worked at growing that account. I remember when I first took it over, I took it over at about 90,000. So to now have it at 1 million is a achievement I'm very proud of. Amazing. Obviously, I don't yeah. run it myself. We've got, an, we've got um, a very, very talented team. And more so nowadays, it's a job that I'm not particularly involved in. Uh, but that's where I picked up my experience. So I'm very, very fortunate. I, it doesn't kind of go unnoticed to me how fortunate, sorry, how fortunate I am to be in this position where I have worked in social media for the last six years. So all these daily activities that I'm learning from, and especially working on an account of that size, I am fortunate enough to have so much data to work off to basically learn from the audience that we have, what works, what doesn't work. So in terms of the account now, which I started, obviously Travel Talks is Instagram account. Um, I'm making sure that I post a guest promo post on the day it goes out. Um, I'm posting supplementary content throughout the week, uh, images of the places they mention in the show, a little bit about why um, they love or hate those places. And, and then where people can find us um, if they choose to listen to the podcast. I want to essentially not bug people is my my biggest point i want to kind of subtly remind them okay once a day maybe here's a post uh maybe the odd story post story post is something that i'm not particularly fond of because of, i don't i've never been good at talking directly to a camera which kind of sounds a bit counterintuitive because i'm happy to ramble into a microphone but to get a camera out and be one of these vloggers who holds it up and go hey guys what are you? <laughs> it's never sat comfortably with me and i know I know because obviously I've worked alongside talent and as a producer, I would say, okay, Smithy, can you just record this video for me doing a promo and do a swipe up? Obviously I'm not fortunate enough to do a swipe up yet, but I know the effect and the power that can have in terms of people seeing a face and relating that directly to a product. But um, yeah, I'm not quite as comfortable with that yet. Hopefully that will come in the future. Um, But yeah, use social media. It's such an incredibly powerful tool. And also what I'll say is, don't assume 
people are going to bend over backwards to listen to your podcast because whilst to you it's the most important thing not only are there a million and one things in people's lives especially at the moment that they've got to balance and uh, kind of prioritize a podcast that you've done is way more important to you than other people and ultimately they're not going to watch it necessarily sorry listen to it on the day of release they're going to forget about it yeah mm-hmm. so you need to understand and be absolutely fine with that and then these little nudges throughout the week hopefully by the time it gets to friday and they've seen four or five posts that i've had an episode with person x um hopefully by the time it gets to that point they go okay i'll get around to listening to that because i've got an hour in my schedule but yeah don't be uh, presumptuous that people are going to listen to it straight away yeah no it's something i guess that comes with starting a podcast is sort of expectations of oh like hopefully people are going to listen or so and so of like the post hopefully that those then equate to listeners mm. you know it's just the process of i guess it's another learning process and i've certainly gone through that myself of thinking oh i'm really happy with this podcast but oh I haven't got as many listeners as I thought I might. Why is that? Have I done something wrong? Have I not? You know, so it's just a completely learning process. And I think, like you said, having an understanding that to us, to me and you with our respective podcasts, there are massive projects throughout the week and we edit it and we put it up and that's like the amazing thing. And actually understanding that, you know, someone on the day of release might not have that hour to listen. And like you said, they might have to wait later in the week to listen. Um, so yeah, just having that understanding, I think is really, really important. Um, mm. can you talk to me in depth a little bit about how you edit your podcasts? Because obviously, you know, you have these big, long conversations and I'm sure there are bits throughout that you might sort of change and edit and that sort of thing. What's the process of that like? Yeah. Uh, so I edit on Premiere Pro, have done for the last nine years now, uh, Adobe software, if people don't know, uh, in my opinion, the best editing software that you can use, uh, I use it on a daily basis. So I'm fortunate enough to constantly be learning and improving and okay this is going to make my day a bit quicker this is a shortcut which kind of picks up my speed and i am a far better editor now than i was when i first started because of the fact that i am fortunate enough to use it on a daily basis uh so yeah i edit my podcasts a lot uh people hopefully cannot realize that uh because hopefully it seems like a natural conversation but from the fact that i've started out there's a lot of when I'm asking my questions, ums and errs and stuff that I'm hypercritical of. And if I can, I'll find a way to kind of edit those out so people don't notice. And also it's nice as well, because when I've worked with content in the past, usually I'm the editor and I've got no on-screen presence. So I can save people. People don't realize necessarily when I'm putting a video out on Sky Sports, uh, they don't know that, okay, there's been an error there, but me as the editor has found a way to kind of get around that and paint it so that there's no situation you wouldn't even notice. So I'm quite fortunate and enjoying the fact that I can make myself out to be a better interviewer than I actually am. Because <laughs> people won't even realise the mistakes I've made throughout <laughs> it. But yeah, I'm editing, I'm editing my podcast a lot um, yeah. and trying to keep it around the hour mark as well. Yeah. Because, you know, there are, I guess, things, you know, like I'm sure me and you sort of, we know throughout a podcast things that can slightly go wrong, like you said, or the ums and ahs. Um, and, you know, it's just making sure, like, I guess you, you, start, you know, try and stick to an hour. I have things that I try and sort of stick to with my podcast as well. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like I said, again, a learning point, you know, for me. Editing podcasts and stuff was something I never, I never knew how to do before. Um, mm. I've had to learn a lot sort of whilst I've been sort of going through the process of sort of starting a podcast so yeah it's something that I guess for any listeners that are looking to to start their own podcast it can seem daunting but I guess with practice it, it sort of gets a little bit easier each time which is really really good um I've got just one more question about your podcast and then we'll move on to some travel questions so yeah, the no last worries. the last question about podcasts is and I knew, you've touched on it a little bit already but have you had sort of a lot of interview and podcast experience in the past and because of, I think you have, you've basically answered that already. You have, you know, had some experience and in the industry you're in has sort of helped you. Um, do you have any advice for someone who'd like to improve their interview skills? Yeah. Uh, so in terms of interview skills, I've, I've not, to be honest, I've come at this uh, almost from the ground level up. Uh, I've done a little bit on camera. If you're uh, clever enough, you can probably search YouTube and find videos of me uh, presenting, uh, but they're quite embarrassing. So uh, I don't know why I'm even mentioning it to be honest uh, but in terms of interviewing people never done it before okay it's yeah. been an aspiration of mine because a lot of what I do so I, I edit the content for Sky Sports's YouTube channels and we produce a lot of um, high level football interviews with players where we get player access and we come up with an idea and um, I'll go away and produce it bring the footage back and edit that for our uh, YouTube channels but 
I've never obviously been involved in the actual interviewing part. I do all the prep, I do all the post-production and I put the video live on YouTube, but the actual interviewing section is something I've never done. Maybe just through watching and working with these people, it's kind of naturally helped me along my way. But obviously, like I say, I've literally right at the start of like my interviewing career, if you can even put it like that. I completely accept that I'm at the beginning of this journey. Uh, so learning and just if I had one piece of advice for someone who was wanting to interview people but wanted to get better, it would be just do it. Don't stop thinking about it yeah. because you're not going to get any better at interviewing whilst sat there not doing it. Just go and do it. Because like I said earlier, like even from episode one now to what am I on episode 12, I feel like I'm improving. So hopefully by episode 100, by that same logic, I'll be much better than I am now. Yeah. So that's the logic I'm doing. That is, it sounds a bit Gary V, but definitely go out, do it, stop procrastinating and get that idea of project started. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. It's it, like you said, it's so uh, like, especially, you know, right now with the pandemic, there's no time like the present, start that project, start that something you've always wanted to do. Um, and yeah, I think for both me and you, it's been something that's been really good to sort of fill our time in, in what's been a, a, you know, a difficult time, you know, for the world and you know has left us with a lot of extra time um to fill um and having those projects you know to fill that time has been well for me really really important and very helpful to sort of getting me through the pandemic and and that sort of thing but yeah that's all the questions I had for the podcast so we'll move on to travel and sort of general travel questions um so I was going to ask you the, the question that you ask in your podcast which was what does travel mean to you yeah um I like asking this because it kind of evokes a different response from every single person that I yeah. ask it to. It's a brilliant question. Uh, really, really good. Thank you. Uh, in terms of what it means to me, I've kind of learned over the last year what it really means to me. And it, it's kind of like a recharge button. I interviewed Carl Watson, who's a YouTuber, a travel mm-hmm. YouTuber I enjoy watching. And he said it perfectly. I think he summed it up well by saying it literally feels like when your battery's low and you've really, really worked hard and you've put a lot of effort into what you do, to go away, it just feels like you're almost in a video game and your bar's just been refilled right to the top. And all these experiences you pick up along the way, different cultures, different cuisines, different ways of life, you don't see that when you're in your hometown. And if you limit yourself just to your hometown, the four walls of your house even, you're just going to see what you see every single day. So broaden your horizons, get out, see what other people, see the way they live. And uh, yeah, you'll live a more fulfilled life if you do so, I think. Yeah, brilliant. And and what would you say has been your favourite country that you've ever visited and why? Yeah, so I was having to think about this because I actually realised in thinking about it that it's perhaps a harder question than I thought it was when I first asked it. I think it's bringing all things into equation, I think it's probably Portugal uh, because not only does it cre- uh, contain my favourite city in Europe, Lisbon, yeah. which I think is an absolutely incredible city for so many different reasons, but it also uh, is an amazing place for golf, which I love and had an amazing holiday in February before the pandemic struck with my dad, brother and brother-in-law, which I really, really cherish. And it's not going to be the holiday that means the most to me, but I want to give it a quick shout out because uh, I know like myself, you're an advocate of supporting people's mental health and that's something yeah. which is very important to me. And I think I've been able to think about that more in the last year and um just being present i'll be honest is something i'm not particularly good at um it's something i try and work on every single day i'm someone who looks to the future i'm very like i've said very ambitious and i'm always onto that next thing next thing next thing but being present is something i want to work on but on that particular holiday i remember being stood um, on a cliff top on maybe hole 12 of this course called val de lobo in faro in portugal and it was it was a really present moment, which I'm probably hopefully going to remember for the rest of my life, where all of my family, not all of my family, my brother, brother-in-law and dad stood on this clifftop, all enjoying the scenery. And it felt like we were all present as well. We were all there in the moment. We all understood what it meant to be sharing that moment together, enjoying each other's company. And ultimately, there's nothing more important than family. So to be sharing that moment with all of them felt particularly special to me. Um, <laughs> And then, of course, the fact that my favourite city is there helps as well, because Lisbon, I don't know if you've been. I have. 
I have been. Oh. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, I absolutely love it. It's so good for so many different reasons, but I'm a lover of good food. And Lisbon, in terms of food, it doesn't really get much better. They've My girlfriend and I made sure that we visited as many amazing restaurants as we could whilst we were there. We're going to brunch restaurants. We're going to um, the timeout market where um, if people haven't been, there's this benches set up and around it, there's different restaurants and they all cook essentially one dish, which they're absolutely incredible at. And you can go and get what exactly what you want and you could be in a big group of people and everyone comes to the table and they've all got exactly what they want. So you could have, okay, the best fish uh, from Lisbon, you could have the best burger restaurant, you could have the best pizza house and you all come together and you've got exactly what you want and it's made perfectly. So that's an incredible place for food. It's all very cheap as well, which is, of course, defines how nice something is as well. Because uh, to go on a, off on a bit of a tangent, Budapest, another incredible city, I absolutely loved because I'm a little bit tight and I love how <laughs> much value for money you could get there. I remember yeah. going in and getting like a two pound gin and tonic and people cannot deny that when you have a cheap drink, cheap meal, it makes you happier and enjoy that meal more. Yeah, so I agree. So for example, like polar opposite to that, when I'm in Miami and my girlfriend uh, has said, oh, do you mind go get me a drink? Uh, and I go to the bar and there's a slush puppy machine serving strawberry daiquiris the man pours two into two separate plastic cups and charges me 40 dollars and then wants a 20 percent tip am i going to enjoy those less because of that oh my absolutely goodness. yeah and it's going to take that experience of having those cocktails yeah so yeah money obviously plays a massive part lisbon's incredible beautiful architecture obviously known as i think the city of seven hills i don't want to get that wrong but so so hilly you can get out put your walking shoes on walk around the city, maybe go out of town a little bit and go to the Pina Palace in Sintra. It's absolutely incredible. And uh, if people haven't been, you need to go. Yeah, Lisbon's amazing. I, I didn't spend a lot of time there, but I went to Portugal, I think it was about two years ago now, my family, we did Porto and Lisbon. Um, so we didn't spend too much time in Lisbon, but I, I completely agree. I already got a feel of like, I could live in Lisbon, one of those cities mm. where you think, oh, actually I could live there. Um, which actually leads very nicely onto my next question, actually, um, which is if you had to live abroad for the rest of your life, where would you pick and why? Um, okay, so I, I actually was going to say somewhere where I've never even been, but then my girlfriend went, you can't say that, you've never even been there, <laughs> which is a completely valid point. How can I know that I want to live somewhere if I've never been? I was going to say Bali, but that's almost because in this last year, we've been in this horrible situation and then sometimes you get those days where you go, sod it, I'm going to move to Bali, which doesn't make any sense. Because like I said, I absolutely love my family. It couldn't be that far away from them. But you get those down days. I'm going to say if I had to live in another country, it's going to be Italy. Yeah. OK. And why? Why is that? Why Italy? So I was speaking to Darren Speck, uh, yep. Alex's dad yeah. from Race Across the World today. Uh, he spoke, he put it perfectly. And I think it, it's because England and what I love about England is it's so kind of different wherever you go. It's so regional. You could be in Cornwall and then drive half an hour and someone's got a completely different accent. You drive half an hour again, someone's got a completely different accent again. Yeah. Everywhere around it, it's like having little countries within one country. And I think Italy kind of shares that. So you've got South Italy, which is absolutely beautiful. Uh, amazing sun. You've got obviously it's a bit warmer. Uh, beautiful, beautiful places. Tuscany, places like that, which just kind of, fairy tale destinations why, why wouldn't you want to visit somewhere like that but at the same time you've got kind of the hustle and bustle of the north which is a bit more a uh, bit richer as a place uh, where the industry and the offices and that kind of element of italy tend to be so places like milan i love the city of milan um and on top of that i'm a football fan great football i think it would have to be a country which um, had a football culture within it so yeah i think italy great food as well how could i how can I yeah, food? Food's a big you've one. Got, yeah. You've got to live in a place with good food and it doesn't really get much better than Italian food. Great pasta, pizza, even just in a sense, really, really good, simple food done really, really well. Yeah. So for those reasons, I would have to say Italy. Yeah. No, it's it's funny because when I asked, when I was sort of planning for this podcast and I, I wrote this question down, I sort of thought, I thought to myself where I would pick as well. Um, yeah, there's just too many places in the world that I'd, I'd love to spend sort of six months in lots of different places so I could sort of mm. travel around um and Bali would definitely be one of those places I could spend at least six months um 
you know, yeah. Bali, Thailand. I'd love to live in Canada at one point as well. Um, yeah, so much of the world that I haven't even been to yet as well. Like, like you thinking, oh, I could live there when I haven't even been mm. visited once yeah. yet. But yeah, there's almost too many places to name. Um, is there a place that you visited that you'd never go back to? Yeah, so I was looking forward to telling this story. <laughs> I went to Gran Canaria three years ago and I remember it well because it was... Uh, my girlfriend and I met on Tinder because we are a very, very modern couple. And we <laughs> uh, we started talking when I was in Gran Canaria. And that was because I absolutely hated it. And I didn't do anything other than get off my phone. I think if anyone's been to the Canary Islands, I mean, I, I don't want to put it down too much because I had a lot of fond memories from the Canary Islands when I was a child. A lot of times my family would take us to Lanzarote. And as much as you know what you're going to get from Lanzarote, Everyone, it kind of is almost a bit of a joke. Oh, you're going to, uh, going to Lanzarote. Yeah. It's almost like Brits abroad. Yeah. It, it, it's, it holds a fond place in my heart for the fact that I had a lot of fond memories there. This particular trip in Grand Canaria, though, I went with two of my friends, Matt and Dave. I'll give them a shout out because they're going to get put down a little bit in a little bit. <laughs> we chose, I don't know if you've seen the Inbetweens movie. I have, yeah. Okay, have. think of that hotel. Yeah. That okay. is basically where we stayed. It was absolutely <laughs> awful. Uh, it was I'll give them a shout out as well because people make sure you do not go to El Jardin in Gran Canaria. Absolute shambles of a hotel. We went and thought it was going to be a bargain. All inclusive. <laughs> I think we paid £300 for a week, all your food, all your drinks. Uh, and this hotel room, the hotel room was absolutely dreadful. One room, two single beds, absolutely stunk. Uh, the pool's tiny. And then the worst part about it, obviously, when you go to an all-inclusive restaurant, all-inclusive hotel, hotel, sorry, what you want to get out of it is lots of booze, especially when you're yeah. older, like being a 22-year-old guy. You want to drink lots and eat lots and sit by the swimming pool all day. They put the bar, I think it was around the corner, up some stairs. You're not going to go to the bar, essentially, as they were clever enough to do. So they, they had all these tricks to the trade. And my mates... Uh, were quite happy to stay in the hotel. Mm-hmm. I think it bothered me more than it bothered them, this hotel. So I'd be saying to them every single night, lads, we have got to go out and get some food. This food is absolutely dreadful. And it was chicken nuggets, chips, pasta, which I'll be honest, was in a tray. I think they must have cooked it in the tray because the bottom half was massively overcooked and the top half's raw. So I don't right. know how that's possible with pasta because you can yeah. just put it in a pan and boil it and then tip it into a tray. <laughs> yeah, It was absolutely awful. And I could not bring myself to eat it every single day for seven days. I did get them out of the hotel once to a restaurant, but that was a bugbear of mine. And I remember saying to them, I literally will never go back there. And that is something I'm so confident of. I will never go back to Gran Canaria for that reason. It's, it's funny, isn't it? I guess looking back, there are some trips you just you just look back and think, oh my goodness, what like what what was going on? Where was I staying? Like, um, but then conversely, do you have a particular holiday or trip that means the most to you? A good memory, a good highlight, not not the, not the Grand Canaria. Is there is there a place? Um, yeah, a particular trip that you look back and think, wow, that was pretty special. Yeah. Okay. So obviously, I had the holiday in Portugal with my my family uh, I think the holiday I took with my girlfriend uh, she'll be happy for me to say this uh, was a month after we first started dating we were uh, very very intense in our first dating we were and I'm obviously we're still together three years now it's intense for a reason but we knew straight away okay this is the person for me and strangely enough we went to Madrid I think it was a month after we first started dating, which obviously means that we booked it about two weeks after knowing each other, which is absolutely insane when you think about it. Uh, but that was a particularly fun trip for me because obviously it's the simple things. Like it's the first time we ever took a photo together. I can, I can remember exactly where we were sat, uh, exactly where we were, what we did that same night. Little things like, I remember walking in uh, the park in Madrid. I can't exactly remember what it was called, but those kind of memories and I think it's again travel travel has made that a memory for me because I couldn't tell you our sixth date when we were in our local area yeah I can tell you when we were in Madrid sat on a bench outside a restaurant uh, so reasons like that and uh, went to a nice restaurant and I'm a little bit crafty in the way that if 
I want to get a nice meal, I'll say and trick the person to believing that it's like an anniversary or a special occasion. Yeah. So one of those the tricks. We've yeah. been uh, we've been together for a month. I walked in and told the man it'd be our one year anniversary, and he treated us like kings and queens, and was bringing out like bottles of wine and saying, "Oh, try this, try this, try this. Tell me which one you like." And um, we both picked this exact same glass of wine, and he comes back and brings it to the table, we look at the wine menu and we pick the cheapest bottle of wine. So we both <laughs> had horrendous tasting wine, this sweet dessert wine, which we're still trying to hunt down and buy to this day. But yeah, reasons like that, that I can properly remember how I felt in the moment and those kind of things that stick out to me. It's really interesting you say about those sort of tips and tricks, you know, when you're in a restaurant or, you know, going to a hotel, because I listened to your podcast with Chelsea, Cheap Holiday Expert, mm. and um, she was talking a lot about what she does to try and get discounts and upgrades and things like that um and it's you know it's something that I didn't really think about until sort of fairly recently of actually mm. there are ways of actually getting upgrades getting you know special meals things like that um it's my absolute dream to fly like business or first class so listening to your podcast with Chelsea it made me think actually there's a, might be a way I can you know maybe go about this you know there's always you can always ask um and you know some airlines say yes there are definitely ways of getting around it so you can get cheaper business class flights and and all those sorts of things so if anyone's listening who hasn't listened listened to your podcast with Chelsea who would like upgrades go and listen (laughs) definitely because it was brilliant to get an insight into you know Chelsea's got all these templates and stuff that she sends to Airbnbs and and that sort of thing it's brilliant brilliant to listen to and sort of figure out some sort of tricks and tips to sort of see if I can get some upgrades and stuff um <laughs> what would you say is your dream travel destination again a pretty tricky question there's probably lots of countries on your list but what would you say is your number one dream place yeah so I boil it down to one country called Bhutan which is um obviously an ancient country um I believe it's next to Nepal and it's a country which I really, really want to go to. And I, I think it's the dream destination for me because I know that it's not going to be easy. And yeah. countries, for example, like Bali that we've spoken about already, obviously it takes a lot of money to go and fly there and it's not something which you can do at a click of the fingers. But anyone who wants to go enough can go to Bali, whereas Bhutan kind of stands out to me because it's described as the happiest place in the world. And I think that's already really, really intriguing to me. People don't put value on money and uh, personal items and materialistic yeah. things that we in the West do. We're very guilty that, oh, have you got the new iPhone? Have you got the new car? Have you... And those are the things which essentially make us happy, as bad as that sounds. Um, people in Bhutan, are they're polar opposite to that. And I think to learn from their culture would be incredible. I'm a big fan of Yes Theory, the YouTube channel. Me too. Me too. Yeah, Love that. absolutely brilliant, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're brilliant. And they did a video where um, I think it's Thomas went to uh, Bhutan. He made it look absolutely incredible. And there are little things which make the country very interesting. So, for example, uh, you can't just go there. You need to have a visa that is signed and approved. And mm-hmm. then to do that, you need to get a guide assigned to you. And you need to pay for the guide who will then in turn sort your accommodation and he'll sort your meals. And essentially, you're on a guided trip the entire time you're in a country. But that's uh, to make sure people treat it with respect and uh, live by the cultures of that country. And obviously, in doing so, you would learn. Um, that very much appeals to me. But I know that I'm not going to do that next year or maybe even the year after. It might be one that I do when I'm like 40, for example. So yeah. that will remain at the top of my bucket list for yeah. a while, I think. It's. I really like your perspective on that because I ask this question a lot and I get your very typical destinations of Bali, Thailand, America, um, and I've not heard an answer like yours, which is actually really interesting, you know, and I love how you take inspiration from Yes Theory as well. I, mm-hmm. They're my favourite YouTube channel by far. I think they're amazing. Um, some of their video ideas they've done, you just think, how have you managed to, to yeah. sort this out and, and sort of create a video like this? Um, and uh, I saw one of the Yes Theory videos recently. I think Thomas, when he was in Afghanistan, um, he was doing a bit of travelling, he went to Afghanistan. And um, just I, I just sort of it resonated with me when you said about in the Western world, we're so caught up with with the money and the material things and you go to some countries um like they showed in that video and people are just so happy with with not a lot you know they don't have the latest iphone they don't have the nicest house um but they're super super happy and i've had experiences of that in you know two countries that come to mind is thailand and india that mm. i've been to and you just look around and you just think oh my goodness their lives are so different but they're so happy you know 
And to mm. me, that's that is just so interesting. And that's why I love travel so much is because you just get to understand people's lives and people's different lives. And actually it makes you feel so appreciative and grateful for for what you have, because for so many people, they don't have that um, yet. They are so happy. So I think that's why I love travel so much. It just it's a big reminder that actually, you, you know, you don't need all these sort of material things to, to make you happy. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Yeah. You just you don't need all those things. You can um yeah go out and play you know cricket in the street you know when I was in India you have people going up mm. playing cricket and and um yeah it just made me think yeah it's um an interesting perspective you took on that question which is like you know really really important to to think about I guess when looking at sort of tra- sort of travel destinations and our dream places um mm. what what would you say is on your travel bucket list so countries activities all those sorts of things yeah so uh, my girlfriend and I in this lockdown have made plans to uh, at one time in our lives, not exactly sure when, to take an extended trip because I went straight into work uh, when I was 18. And, uh, like I said before, knew that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Obviously, when the roll of sky comes up, you bend those backwards for it. You yes. Don't, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. don't miss it. So I went straight into work and I've worked, I would say, very hard for the last seven years. Um, and I know that at some point in my life, because travel is such a big part of my life, I need to take that break to not only recharge my batteries but also to see the world because yeah when different elements of natural life start coming into play uh, not that it's any time soon my girlfriend might be scared like kids and for example like <laughs> yeah. that which of course it one day will happen I know that that won't be possible so I've maybe yeah. got a window of however many years before um, then to go traveling so we want to and we have planned uh, an epic trip where we're going to fly into New Delhi, see the Taj Mahal, go over to Nepal, yeah. fly down from Nepal to Bangkok, up to northern Bangkok, Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, across into Myanmar, Old Bagan, in the lake, into Laos, uh, down yeah. to, uh, Vietnam, heading down south to Vietnam, cross into Cambodia, into Thailand, see southern Thailand, into uh, Malaysia, Singapore, and then perhaps, it got a bit ambitious when we were planning this, fly over to Hong Kong, get an overnight sleeper train, bullet train from Hong Kong to Beijing. And then mm-hmm. why not, whilst you're over in Beijing, get a flight into Japan, see the whole of Japan. Yeah. And then I think by that point, you come home because you're a bit knackered. Yeah, um, that sounds amazing. That just sounds like my dream trip all in one. You know, I love Southeast Asia. I think it's my favourite sort of area of the world. Um, and I've sort of, I've been to Thailand, I've done Malaysia and Singapore, but, you know, I want to do so much more of it. It, it just it's incredible you know it's so you know you're talking about about talking earlier about money it's so cheap you get such good value for money out there whereas you know in the western world like you're talking about america with those like those cocktails you know that's not value for money playing 20 dollars for a cocktail is crazy right it's it's just crazy so you know when you go to somewhere like southeast asia it puts things into perspective when you've been paying those prices in america you think well how have i why have I been paying those prices when I can get it for like what, $2 in Thailand, you know, it, yeah. you know, for example. So yeah, that sounds amazing, you know, and, and like you said, taking the opportunity before you have thing going on in your life when you're older that you mean you might not be able to do that. Um, taking the opportunity and yeah, doing a massive trip. That'd be amazing. That how exciting. Yeah, I know. I know. It absolutely has to happen now. Just to uh, go back to it slightly. I had an interview with a man called Nikola Kostic who approached me on Instagram and um, he is a professional photographer and has a really interesting story about how he moved from Serbia to Bali when mm-hmm. he was 24 years old. Uh, so he was in a rock band and was uh, supporting the, apparently the biggest band in Serbia. Obviously, to me, I didn't actually know who they were, but uh, <laughs> they they dropped them from uh, supporting them on their tour. Mm-hmm. And apparently in one week, he went from supporting a band on their tour to uh, cleaning gyms. And he literally said... Uh, sod this I'll paraphrase and yeah. then flew to Bali where his uncle was living and in doing so he's travelled around the whole of Southeast Asia really incredible interesting stories and he picked out Myanmar or Burma yeah as a place where you absolutely have to go mm-hmm. and he was so expressive that he said oh you can quote me on this if you don't go to Myanmar or Burma when you're in Southeast Asia you're an idiot so yeah I'm gonna make sure that I don't disappoint Nicola yeah and, make sure I visit Burma and Myanmar because it looks from the photos I've seen like an incredible place. I feel like Burma's a very much a hidden gem. Like it's relatively mm. untouched by tourism. Um, you know, sort of I, I don't when I think of Southeast Asia, you think of Thailand, you think of Vietnam as typical places for like your back you know, backpackers. 
Um, so I agree. That's on my bucket list as well to go to Burma. I think, like I said, a hidden, I'm, I want to discover more hidden gems and I want to do less of the touristy things and visit some less touristy countries, less touristy cities, those sorts of things. So that's on my list as well. I think it looks an incredible country. Um, so much history, so much to it to sort of explore. Um, so yeah, awesome. Okay, I've got one more question, which is a very general yeah. one, just about um, your goals for 2021. What's what's on your list for what you'd like to achieve this year? Uh, okay, I'm going to boil this down and make it not too ambitious, because I think ultimately after the absolute, I don't want to swear, awful year that we had last year in 2020, anything is going to be better than that, or at yeah. least you'd think so. Um, it's a really simple goal. I want to go on holiday. Um, it sounds really, really simple. I want to go abroad. Mm-hmm. I've, the whole of 2020, I'm thinking, oh, I need to go away, I need to go away. But obviously, <laughs> in the height of the pandemic, it's probably not wise to go on a plane and uh, fly to another country. So I want to go away. My girlfriend and I are potentially thinking, okay, Italy, keep it European. Yeah. Uh, go to Italy and plan like an amazing road trip around the whole of Italy. So I'd love to be able to achieve that. Uh, I'd love to go on another golf holiday with my family. Uh, what else do I want to do? Okay, in terms of the podcast, um, I'll be honest, if I'm doing the podcast by the end of 2021, uh, I want it to be a more recognisable name. I want people to come across it when they t- when they type in travel or click on Apple yeah. uh, podcasts and do you know when you, you go to society and culture places and travel? I want to be one of the first ones you see. Yeah, because on that list. Yeah. I, I'm not even on the list at the moment. So God knows how I'm even getting listens because uh, unless it's not from people, uh, for example, who've shared my podcast, who've been on it, how are people finding my podcast? It blows my mind that I'm even getting listens. So I really want to be one of the first names. Uh, don't want to cause any beef, but I'd love to. I'd love to topple some of the guys who are up there who are making podcasts but haven't even made an episode in a couple of years. I'd yeah. love to be near the front of that queue. Uh, so, yeah, something like that. And who knows, if I'm still doing it by the end of 21, I'll be very, very happy. Yeah, amazing. Well, it's, you know, it's so good to set goals. I've set some goals this year as well, but I think it's just keeping things into perspective, like you said. You know, last year, you know, at the start of 2021, I set loads of goals and not many of them happened because <laughs> what a year it was, it was just not the opportunity to sort of, I guess, achieve as many things as I, I think we all set out to. So I think it's keeping perspective this year. And like you said, even something just like going on holiday, which in normal times we would have just seen as a relatively normal thing to do each year. But given the pandemic, it's become a, a treat, you know, something special to be able to go on holiday. Um, so, yeah, yeah I can, I'm in complete. Yeah, completely agree. Getting away and going on a plane this year will be. Uh, a highlight definitely after after the year we've had but (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the podcast I really appreciate your time and sort of hearing your insight into into your podcast and all your travel experiences it's been brilliant to talk so thank you once again uh the podcast will be out as every podcast is on Fridays at 6 p.m on Spotify and Apple podcasts so yeah thank you so much oh thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure it's nice as well being the guest because I know that you've got to do the hard work now (laughs) yeah all the editing I just log off and I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.